Hi, folks. Steve Urban here. Today's episode of the RouterFlex podcast is sponsored by Marketing 360. My good friend J.B. Kellogg and his team do such a fantastic job for us and so many other companies. Marketing 360 is the number one platform for small business, and it's everything you need to grow your business. If you need marketing support, I really encourage you to contact them at marketing360.com slash writerflex, and we'll add that link to the description of this episode for easy reference. And on today's episode of the Riderflex podcast, we have Abir Abu Judah. She is the founder at LexDoc. That's L-E-X-D-O-C-K dot com, LexDoc. It's your legal concierge platform. For most small to medium-sized businesses, managing legal affairs can seem impossible. How do you know you are making the right decisions? How do you even begin to hire the right attorney? The good news is, now it can be as easy as opening an app with LexDoc. Abir Abu Judah on the RiderFlex podcast. How you doing, Abir? Glad to be here. Thank you for hosting, Steve. Oh, you're welcome. So you're in beautiful golden Colorado today? That's right. I mean, uh, one of the most beautiful things about Colorado is that uh, mountain views. I'm at 9,200 uh, feet above Denver, and every window that I have has a mountain view. It couldn't get more beautiful today. Nice. Now, and you're not from here originally, right? I thought I think you lived on the East Coast for a long time, and so you have you've only been in Colorado for how many years? Uh, about three years now, but um, originally from Palestine. And oh. uh, when I first came to the United States, I resided in New Jersey, and for most of my life and career, I resided in New Jersey. And you've been in Colorado for th almost three years now. It's exactly. it's really, it, it, Colorado's hard to beat, isn't it? I mean, it's pretty awesome. <laughs> well, I have to say, you know, I'm at heart, New Yorker, New Jerseyan. Um, it, Colorado is a little different. It's a beautiful <laughs> canvas, but I don't know. It's like... Uh, too slow? Is it too slow for you? Too laid back for you? Well, um, <laughs> it does have that part. Uh, but I think uh, people here are good-hearted, and they're well-intended, and, and uh, that matters. It does. Yeah, it does. Well, tell us about uh, some of your early childhood and family and all that stuff. Walk us through some of your personal history. Go ahead. Oh, my. <laughs> You're ready for this, Steve? I'm ready. I'm ready. Uh, so I was born in a refugee camp in Palestine, mm. and um, a few years uh, into my, I guess, childhood, my father decided that he no longer wanted the family that he had, Oof. and my parents separated, okay. uh, which meant <laughs> my mother, who was a teacher, had the responsibility of raising six children by herself. Um, wow. <laughs> it's it's, you know, I am one of the luckiest people on earth because my mother was a, a strict disciplinarian. And uh, <laughs> she had to she be, managed. she had to be. <laughs> she managed. I mean, you, you couldn't do it in this day and time and or in back in her day. And she did do it. She did it successfully. We all 
uh, grew up to be healthy, uh, safe. We didn't lose any of our limbs. <laughs> um, <laughs> we grew up in a in a uh, war zone, uh, so things were a little different there. Mm. And so when I uh, and this is the misconception about Arabs and Palestinians and Muslims in general. Uh, everybody thinks that we hate America, which is not so far from the truth. Everything I wanted as a child is to come to America, to live the dream, to be here. And everybody else was jealous that I got the opportunity to do this. <laughs> Were you the first so one I, in your family? Go ahead. Yeah, sorry. Uh, I, uh, my father was here. Uh, okay. My brother was here before I immigrated. Okay. Uh, it was a. Uh, it was one of those things that my mom never wanted me to do. <laughs> oh really? Uh, yeah, culturally, it's not. It's not uh, acceptable. Uh, it's not uh, desirable. It's a, a girl in Palestine. Your future is get married, have a few babies, you know, uh, <laughs> not have a career, be a lawyer. So when you got out, of, did you leave right after you got out of high school or uh, to come over here to college? Or what was the time frame on that? It took me a little while to convince my mom, my mother. <laughs> so um, I remember we didn't talk for about six months after, you know, I told her I wanted to go to college. And she was adamant that uh, no girl of mine is going to college. Wow. <laughs> uh, so wow. finally, she relented. And I reconnected with my father, who was uh, basically unknown to me. I, I didn't really okay. know too much about him. Okay. And when I came here, things were <laughs> so different, Steve. <laughs> so different. Uh, right. I, I mean, well, yeah. So tell us. Yeah. Talk to me. Talk to me. So you, you uh, did you fly into, uh, do you remember what airport did you fly into JFK the very first time? Or where did you fly? What did you fly into? Do you remember? I do believe it was JFK. And I'll tell you a funny story about that because okay. when we landed, um, we wanted to make a phone call. And uh, we're used to like travel with back home. We did not have uh, some of the basics that, you know, are available here in the U.S. And we had uh, to actually take two buses to go find a phone locally to use. And the lo the phone was like a rotary phone, you know, like the one that you dial. Yes. And when uh, we landed in New York City, JFK, um, trying to find a phone, we saw like booths in the middle of the different locations. And I head to it and it has buttons and they had letters on them. <laughs> we couldn't tell what that was and how you dial. <laughs> That's pretty good. That's pretty funny. Who was with you? Uh, at the time, I was uh, immigrating with one of my sisters and two brothers. Wow. Okay. So, so your mom, all right. So let me make sure I understood because I think one of your brothers was already over here and then Correct. three more siblings came. Four, including or, me. Yeah. So That's four. Me and no, three of yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, wow. So, and you said you had, there were six of you all together. So your mom is probably thinking, hey, all you guys are leaving me over here after I worked hard all those years to raise you. Everybody's leaving me. <laughs> you know, um, my mom had a really difficult time because she was a single mom and she um, tried to instill a lot of values in us 
And at some point, it it gets to you. Mm. She became very depressed. She had um, mm. her own issues. And one of the terms of our agreement, me and her, is that I would uh, come with my sister and two brothers. So she relented to let me go. Oh, I, I see. If I and see. only if. <laughs> okay. All right. So now, did you already have the college picked out that you wanted to go to? Was there already kind of a plan or you just wanted to get over here? I did. I wanted to go to Rutgers University and I was really excited about that. Okay. I worked my hardest to try and fill out the applications despite all my English and background and I put a lot of effort into it, and then <laughs> it was my brother's responsibility, my older brother, who was already here, hmm. um, to take that application to Rutgers University. Was he, and was he at Rut Rutgers already? Was he there as a student? He had already graduated from Rutgers okay. and okay. was at the University of Medicine and Dentistry. So okay. he decided that he did not want me to go to college either. <laughs> and decided to hide my application in his glove compartment in the car. What? I know, I know. Oh, it's a very conservative family, I understand it. Did you, um, say, did you say, hey dad, uh, help me out here, you know? How'd that go? <laughs> <laughs> How did that go, Steve, is a good story. <laughs> I was, uh, when I found it, it was already too late. Uh, because the deadline for the application has already passed. And it was uh, me having an honest conversation here to tell them, look, I came here to go to college. If you don't want me to go to college, send me home. I'll go do whatever my mother wanted me to do from the beginning. Okay. And that's when my father took me to a college that was literally down the street from where we were living, uh, Bloomfield College. Okay. Um, they told him that the only way they can accept me if I take a test that consisted of different subjects, and if I pass the test, they will admit me. And I passed the test. Awesome. Awesome. Okay. So that's how you got into Bloomfield, which is in New Jersey, I believe. That's correct. Okay. What was your dad and, doing at the at the time? If you don't, uh, yeah. My dad owned a grocery store. Oh, okay. uh, so he was working in Newark, New Jersey, um, in retail. But he owned a store. So there's the first uh, sign of the entrepreneurial spirit right there. So that I don't know if that played into your you eventually being an entrepreneur or not. But your dad was an entrepreneur and a business owner. You can look at it that way, <laughs> but I'm not going to give him credit for that one. Okay. Okay. <laughs> All right. So you go to Bloomfield, go ahead. Now, now no idea at this point you were going to be a lawyer and get your law degree, right? I'm just guessing. No, no. Yeah. I mean, people that come from my background, you're lucky if you're alive. <laughs> I've accomplished a lot already by getting on an airplane. How'd you decide to major in biology? What, what were you thinking you were going to be? I was really thinking that I'm going to follow in my brother's footsteps and become a physician. I see. Okay. Um, that's why. And, right. and that's where 
that background in biology came from. And um, mm. while I was in um, school, I actually volunteered as an EMT. Okay. And that's the moment I decided perhaps uh, medicine is not my uh, calling. <laughs> did, you see and, some, uh, did you see some blood or something? You saw something bad. You're like, yeah, I don't want to do this. <laughs> you know what? I will tell you this story because this person was a, a very good teacher of mine. Professor okay. in college. He was my math professor. And I've aced every single one of his classes. Um, and when I was volunteering, uh, he was one of the individuals that I had to pick up on the rig. He was so proud of me that day. And I couldn't believe that he remembered me and he knew that I was one of his top students. How about so, that? <laughs> wow. You know, it was a, a moment. Let's put mm -hmm, it that way. Mm -hmm. Okay. How did you decide when to go to law school? Or how did you, uh, how did you, how did you decide and when? <laughs> I um, took some time off. I was working as a scientist. I worked for the University of Medicine and Dentistry and okay. I was in the lab uh, used to, you know, uh, working with uh, sterile environments and clean uh, lab. Uh, and then while I was working in the lab, it, it, the repetitive work, the uh, everyday operations, exactly the same as the day before, uh, mm -hmm. it gets to you, I think. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, we appreciate all the medicine professional, medical professional scientists that are working really hard these days to get us out of this debacle we're in. Right. Uh, but I didn't think I was fit to spend the rest of my life in the lab. And I started investigating what else is out there. Um, at the time, I was living on my own. Uh, I was responsible for everything, including apartment, vehicle, anything else that I needed to. And uh, I uh, was fascinated with uh, justice. The whole concept of justice followed me throughout my life since I was born, to be honest. Uh, you see the injustices and uh, you want to do something about it. And I mm -hmm. figured maybe law school is the place where you find um, that. <laughs> okay. Uh, oh, and, then, and then you got enrolled at Seton Hall and you ended up getting your law degree. And so that's why your early career in, law, in the legal field was tied to health is because you had that early biology, you, you worked in kind of the health or lab or scientific field, and then your, your early law degree kind of tied to that a little bit. Is that, is that accurate? Yes, so I consider myself a professional, a legal professional who is uh, a healthcare practitioner as well as a technology practitioner because okay. I've worked closely in, those, in both those areas. Okay. Um, and uh, most of my experience is in the healthcare and technology. Mm, I saw that. And then after a pretty successful career, at some point, you said, I want to start a business. <laughs> Talk to us about transition us into LexDoc and how this came about. Go, go ahead. Uh, LexDoc is really uh, my child of passion. I, when you love something so much, you want to give it your all. And um, it, again, justice is part of why I'm doing this. 
I, I, I don't know how much you know about the legal profession, but it's not necessarily a profession that allows uh, women minorities, somebody who is of my background, the same opportunities available to white males. And don't hear me wrong, I have very influential white males in my life that I appreciate and have yeah. tremendous respect for. But 88% of the legal professionals today are white males. Oh, wow. I, I have, wow, I had no idea that was the stat. Uh, if you were to ask me to guess the stat, uh, wow, okay, yeah, that's super yeah. high. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so graduating from law school, there are 51% females. What happens? Uh, interesting. Something, interesting. Some, yeah, it's very interesting. There is... There is inequity, there is a change of circumstance that forces women out of this legal field. Mm. And you can't really say it's because they have children because men also are responsible fathers and they do contribute to the family. And right. some of us women did not choose to take uh, the growing family part. So we can't all be punished <laughs> because some <laughs> have children. Right. Perhaps I said it the wrong way, but... No, no, I uh, totally get it. I hadn't thought about it like you're describing until just now. So, okay. All right. We're also talking about minorities and African-Americans, you know, Mexicans, Arabs, you name it. Where right. are they? I'm sure they are graduating from law school as well. Right. But 88% is white males. Interesting. Uh, so... Mm. So Lexstock was a child of passion of mine. I uh, always wanted to serve the community and serve the profession. And I don't know how much you know about the legal profession of Steve, but 88% of legal professionals out there are white males. Uh, so where are all these women graduating from law school? We have 51% of female students graduating law school. Uh, we also have a lot of minority students. Somehow they um, are um, dropping out at a certain point for whatever the reason may be. By building this platform, a cloud-based SaaS solution, um, allowing businesses to manage their everyday legal affairs, and if they needed an attorney, they are able to connect with outside counsel on the platform where they can manage all of their legal affairs, including corporate governance, IP practices, real estate, um, you name it, any legal matter that they may have, they can host it on the platform and continue to manage outside counsel during the process. And, and, and there's no competition or anybody else doing this? When you first started this, nobody else has got this going on? You know, you think the ABA and uh, big law firms would have thought that's a solution that's important to all of us, but it kind of is not something that they paid attention to. Democratization of the legal marketplace was, I guess, not a top priority. Uh, equalizing the playing field so women minorities can compete and be permitted to earn wages with dignity and without having to worry about 
giving some of their earnings to their partner and uh, the managing partner, shareholder, and others, um, I guess was not a top priority, Steve. Wow. Okay. All right. So, so, and then um, how big is the business now? How many employees? I do have about four. I also have advisors. So a total, we could say we're a powerful 10. <laughs> <laughs> and is this, this is your full-time gig, right? You're doing this full-time. You're not like doing some other stuff on the side. Like the, you're all in on this thing. I am all in. This is do or die, Steve. <laughs> I love it. Um, how did you, did you bootstrap it yourself? Did you, cause you're not a developer to, you know, build some of this, uh, write the code. So how, did you bootstrap this? Did you hire some coders? Talk, talk to us about how you got it up and running. So I bootstrapped the company to date. Okay. I have relationships with different, um, advisors and supporters that have helped me along the way. Uh, okay. People that I could not have done, could not have possibly done this without them. Uh, we launched the business in July of 2019. Since then, we had amazing success. I mean, I was on Lolly, Colorado, uh, featured as a new marketplace on the market. I was uh, in e-news women e-news uh in january i believe i was in business insider uh, featured as um one of six innovators wow <laughs> women innovators wow uh, and 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 in february Lexstock was nominated was actually named not only nominated but named 2020 emerging legal technology so I know I'm doing something right. <laughs> Congratulations. All right. That's great. All right. You get lots of press. Uh, and so who's your typical customer? Like, what do you, what size business are you targeting? Talk to us about that. Uh, we help businesses of all sizes and we have different plans to accommodate the size and amount of legal work that they would need on our platform. We're okay. here to provide a solution and to really democratize the marketplace. It's not so much about just uh, business as usual. There is a purpose behind it. Once you democratize the marketplace and you connect the business to the attorney directly, you've eliminated the middle band, the big uh, cost, uh, center for any attorney who has to pay the partner and so on. Uh, so here you're connecting them directly and you're enabling them to conduct their business securely. No more emails, for example. You see a lot of attorneys exchanging emails. And then the business who's receiving all these emails on the other end, they have to go through the process of managing all of these emails. As in-house counsel, I was receiving what good plus uh, I was managing 200 plus agreements, but I had projects that I were managing. And during that, it's all of the communications coming in from outside counsel is happening on my email. The platform eliminates that part of the job. I got to work as an administrator, just filing from email to folder. <laughs> Here you're working directly in the case. Did I 
digress. <laughs> no, no, I think that's okay. I, I wanted to ask, so let's, let's say Radiflex, let's use my own business for a second. Um, yeah. If I need, if we needed legal support for whatever reason, documents, I don't know, whatever, we were working on something. Would I contact a lawyer first and then have that lawyer say, I want to use Lex, LexDoc or do I, I contact you first? How do, how do I proceed? If I'm an entrepreneur with a new business and I don't have in-house counsel or, you know, an attorney that we're using, you know, what do I do first? So you would need to uh, create an account. So you sign up to join LexDoc. You'll have an account. And uh, on an everyday basis, you have access to that account where you can store all of your legal affairs. If you have incorporation documents, if you have ah. any contracts, if you have any business dealings that you routinely manage, you can upload all of these documents and manage them and communicate with your internal team mm. on the platform to kind of resolve those issues that are coming up. If you need an attorney, that's when you reach out and say, okay, this is the type of the attorney that I need and we will help you find one. But if you already have an existing attorney, your attorney could just sign up for his account and you connect on the platform. I see. Okay. And how do you make, do you make your money by the monthly service fee that my company would pay you? Or do you make, do you also charge the attorney? How, how do, what's the business model? <laughs> the business model is really a fair one where everybody is responsible for some of the costs. The business has a subscription plan. We allow you uh, to manage all of your legal affairs uh, on a platform that you can access 24-7 in the cloud, secure with backups. And the attorney also is paying a little subscription to help them connect with the right business at the right time. Because you're, it's almost like a referral, right? That you're, you're, you're saying, hey, I got Steve from RiderFlex needing an attorney. I'm going to connect you, Mrs. Attorney, with Steve, but you're going to pay a fee for that of some kind. They usually would be members with an account, I which see. means they already are actively utilizing the platform on a monthly basis. So it's not like you pay extra when I connect you with Steve. You just continue to pay whatever your monthly membership is. Okay, cool. And uh, so, how do you mind me asking, like, how, how many companies involved and how many lawyers do you have? Like, what's the what's the you know ecosystem look like right now? How big how big is it? <laughs> sure. Yeah, I mean, uh, coronavirus is killing everybody, and I just uh, uh, right. Don't remind me. <laughs> So uh, it had uh, curtailed a lot of the business prospecting. It has yeah. curtailed my fundraising. Mm -hmm. uh, luckily, my mom, my mother taught me how to be a penny pincher, and I have a little bit of reserves that's allowing me to continue in the business develop in, in the product development uh, area. But I do have a successful uh, uh, client base who are yeah. uh, in there to be supportive and uh, receiving benefit from utilizing my platform. I have both businesses and attorneys. It sounds to me like, you know, just as a reminder for the listeners, you started like in October of 2018. So you are still making product development 
enhancements and you're now are you raising like some seed cash or are you into a series a or what are you what are you calling it with with the money you're trying to raise we are still at the seed round steve um we're not trying to grow big and fast and killing it out there we just want to grow healthy and do the right thing by the businesses that we take on we want to develop loyal clients that really appreciate what we're trying to do not just for their business but also for the legal profession. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm guessing there won't be any uh, patented, protected, uh, super secret technology on this deal. It's really going to be a kind of a race to market type of deal for you to just get big enough before, I don't know, Salesforce decides to build something like, like this or whatever. Or, uh, talk to me about that. Well, um, there will always be competition on the market. And that's why if you're first in the market, you, uh, you gain a segment that's going to grow more interested and loyal to the service you're providing. Uh, at the same time, I've seen other legal businesses fail because they come out of California from uh, uh, tech geniuses who had no experience in the legal profession. <laughs> I have 15 years, Steve. Yeah. I knocked it out of the park 15 right. years. I've seen it all. I've worked in, I've worked for a federal judge. I worked with some of the major law firms in New York city and New Jersey. Yeah. I've worked as in-house counsel. I worked with government. I knew my business. Yeah, for sure. You've put a lot of your own money into this. I'm guessing. <laughs> I certainly did Steve. <laughs> What's the scariest moment for you so far in starting this business? I think uh, it was uh, just uh, giving up on the dream of going back in house or finding another secure employment where it's stable. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, uh, you know, like free falling for, uh, for an entrepreneur is like you give up the strict restraints and you just go for it. And, and, and that I think is the scariest moment to date. Yeah. Yeah, right. Because you walked away from a job, right? Didn't you just walk away? You quit your job and said, I'm doing this? Well, did, frozen, did, I cut out, did I cut out on you? Did I cut out on you? Uh -oh. uh, you did. Okay, I'm going to ask that again. Am I back now? Yes. Okay. All right. I, got, I just made a little note. I'll clean that up. Um, did, you, did you just quit a job to start this or did you ease your way out or, or did you just say oh i'm done i'm quitting i have a little savings i'm doing this why I, i'm just curious so um you know that's one of the things about colorado it's a beautiful state and i came here to join a, a healthcare system i saw that uh, after i have run my uh, own uh, solo practice for some time and my experience with this uh, organization is that I was excluded from certain executive meetings uh, where I should have been. All attorney meetings and a beer is the only one missing because she was not invited. Um, uh, <laughs> I had two uh, male, uh, no, one male and one female, both white attorneys, that refused to take any meetings with me unless I provided them with a memo describing the purpose of my 15 minute meeting request. Hold on, hold on, whoa, whoa, whoa. Is it, this is a place you work? You're talking about fellow coworkers? Yes. 
They're lovely people. They're so handsome and articulate. And um, I think the worst part of it, Steve, was when I was, uh, a comment was made about me being scary. (laughs) (laughs) And, and, you know, I I get it. I'm not everybody's typical um, attorney, but it took me back to when I first arrived in the United States. Uh, so when I first came to this country, um, I didn't really know my dad very well. And uh, he tells me that he had a new wife and he had a child, uh, a, another sibling. So now I find out I have a sister. He takes me on a ride to go meet my sister. And I'm like, okay, how bad could that be? He takes me to this toy store. <laughs> tells me to go find her um, and and talk to her. Uh, I go in the toy store and I try to talk to this girl and then out of a sudden like a whole bunch of people start yelling at me and I'm like scared. I run out of the store. I get in the car and he takes me away. Two weeks later I'm sitting on a bench in the courtroom and um, the mother of the daughter is calling me a terrorist. (laughs) <laughs> because she did not want me to have any contact wow. with her child. Wow. And I don't blame her. I do not blame her. She married uh, an individual who uh, it was physically abusive. And he brings uh, this new member to meet her daughter. I probably didn't give her any notice. And I'm like... What did I do? I probably looked like a little terrorist too. Big deal. <laughs> does that does that drive you nuts? I mean, now you've been in the, in in the U.S. for for quite a while now, but I mean, that's got to just get on your nerves when people look at you or they give you attitude like, "Okay, you're an Arab, so you're a terrorist." I mean, that would just oh man, I I don't I don't I, I couldn't I don't know <laughs> if they were treating me that way, I, it would be wouldn't be good. <laughs> Steve, I I think I made it. I'm a citizen. I speak English. I graduated from college, cum laude, and a member of the Alpha Chi National Honor Society of Physics. I have a law degree. I'm an officer of the court, and I still get those comments. Wow. I it, that that blows me away. I uh, I can't even. They better not. I better not be with you on a happy hour when somebody treats you like that, or they're gonna get a mouthful from me. <laughs> you know, I I really don't show up to work like a like a crazy person. I put on a suit. I get my hair done, my nails done. I got on five inch heels. I mean, how did I exactly scare someone? Did I? slap them with my logic what were they thinking <laughs> so wow wow yeah that's a crazy story that you had to send a memo to your co-workers to explain 15, why you needed to, yep 15 the, the very first minute. the very first time somebody told me i had to do that as an employee the next words out of my mouth would have been i quit <laughs> i agree with you that that's what i should have done but uh. Uh, the separation was uh, a little bit difficult for me financially because I traveled to come here for this gotcha. position. Yep. Gotcha. And 
I couldn't exactly liquidate all of everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And well, once I did, I knew I was doing the right thing by starting Lexdoc. Well, I, I was, was like, yeah, yeah, exactly. I was just about to say everything happens. Well, I know it sounds corny. This is, I, I kind of personally believe things happen for a reason. And that's what happened. You moved to Denver and you got put in that situation, that crappy situation. And that drove you to finally starting your own thing. See, all that happened for, for a reason. That was, it was your destiny, right? Well, you know, I can't wait until businesses buy into what I'm trying to do because without businessing, businesses believing that this is the way forward, not just for the way they manage internal business, because I've been there and it's, yeah. it's not sustainable the way you manage your internal legal affairs. But also from a legal services perspective, it can't go on the way it is happening mm. these days. And once businesses believe in what I'm doing, I know the sky's the limit. Mm. And by the way, for the listeners, uh, if they want to get in contact uh, with you guys or sign up or try it, they just go to Lexdoc, L-E-X-Lexdoc.com. Is that right? L-E-X-D-O-C-K.com. Yes. And if you don't know what that means, Lex is law or legal in Latin, and doc is where you store all of your documents. I did not know that. <laughs> I'm glad I, I do now. I was wondering how you came up with the name. Okay, very good. Lex doc was available. That was available on GoDaddy when you looked up the URL, huh? Believe it or not. <laughs> <laughs> they took out all the good ones, so I had to come up with something more creative. I love it. Oh, I love it. No, no, it's great. Well, congratulations on getting the business uh, to where it's at. I know it's, yeah, it's super scary to step out of a full-time job. I mean, you, you moved to Denver for this job. It sucked, and you, you're like, yeah, I'm just going to start my own thing. I see a need. You're, you're, you're working to fill a need. Um, you got it up and running. Um, Great job. I mean, you've bootstrapped it. Plus, you, you took on a little friends and family money uh, up front, or you haven't taken on any outside cash at this point? I have not taken in any money at this wow. point. Wow. Okay. Wow. All right. Look, I'm not complaining about the legal profession. It's been really good to me. Understood. Uh, but it is time to evolve with yep. the times. I guess, I mean, worst case scenario, it doesn't make it. You could always go back to being a lawyer, right? I mean, that's your fallback. Not that you need a plan B. I've heard a lot of entrepreneurs say, I don't have a plan B. I only have plan A. I'm going to make this work. <laughs> well, I am licensed in New Jersey and New York, and I'm able to work with my license. And I'm also uh, an innovation officer, and I'm able to speak to that and be able to contribute in so many ways. But mm -hmm. the goal is to really change the way we look at the delivery of the legal services and try to leave uh, uh, a, a legacy that means something. It's not going to help me at this point. It's not. No. Lexdoc is not for me. It's, it's for that next generation mm. that's going to see uh, that we tried with my company to change uh, the basic, the foundation of how legal services are being provided to make it better, the equal opportunity for all of them. Mm, very good. Let me ask you, we're getting close to wrap up here. Let me ask you a couple, uh, two last questions. But before that, I'm just curious, how's your relationship with your father now? Are you guys, you guys good to go? Is it still, yeah, talk to me. I only stayed in that place for maybe like 
two years. I actually spent the last two years of my college education on my own. I had a couple of uh, part-time jobs paying my way through college, and uh, I haven't talked to him since. <laughs> Are you serious? Oh, man. All right. All right. We got to talk about that offline. I'll push you a little, a little hard. I, want to I need therapy for that, Steve. <laughs> uh is your mom is your mom doing okay is is she she's she's not here is she um my mom passed away uh a few years back okay oh bummer i'm sorry to hear that i was wondering okay all right you siblings they're here uh some of them are here some of them went back uh i do have nieces and nephews and uh we are strong uh people we survive are you the only entrepreneur uh, I would say no. Uh, I, I think all of us at some point uh, had uh, our own businesses and our ventures and, and the like. Okay. Uh, but it's a struggle because uh, where we come from or when we try to <laughs> work in the standard environment, we don't exactly fit. And fit is a word that I don't necessarily uh, like in, in, in corporate America because it's used in the wrong way. Mm. Um, mm. You can't fit me in a box. And when uh, I get, you're not the right fit, I know exactly what they mean by it, Steve. <laughs> uh, for corporate America out there, if you want to listen to my advice, you'll find uh, a remarkable, exceptional individual and you make space for them, not mm. just to fit in, but to thrive. Ooh. And perhaps that could help some of your uh, <laughs> uh, individuals who are trying to uh, enter the market or find a position. I love it. That's great advice. Thank you for sharing that. If you could call the young lady stepping off the airplane at JFK, what would you tell her? Go for it. Go for it. Go for it sooner than you did? Start something sooner than you yes. did? Yes. Okay. <laughs> All right. What, and then if you had to define a beer's core purpose in life, if you put that into a sentence for me, what would that sound like? Justice. I, I, um, I think at heart, it's who I am and what I want to change is make things better not just for me because it's too late for me but to make it better for the next generation and the next people i uh when i was in new jersey i was working with a lot of syrian refugees that are coming into this country with nothing uh with less than nothing i think i'm even more fortunate than they are because i was lucky enough to uh, have survived and under the current uh kind of a how can I say it? it I, polarized. I think it's a polarized environment they're coming into and they don't know how to deal with it. And to create new opportunities for them is really important. Um, I don't know if I can do it in a little and I need a lot of people to help with this. <laughs> well, you're doing your part, right? You're doing your part. I'm trying, Steve. Uh, congratulations on everything you're doing um, and for what you've put together over at LexDoc. I wish you the best of luck on that. Um, and I'll be watching. I'll be watching because I, I, I probably need your service pretty soon. I need, I, I wouldn't mind having uh, somebody to organize all of that for me. So I'll have to call you offline. Plus I get, plus I get a discount now since you've been on the Rider Flex podcast. 
<laughs> it's free for you, Steve. It's free. The Riderflex podcast features entrepreneurs, business executives, and the stories behind how they got there, as well as daily tips on career advice and job interviews. Our show can be heard just about anywhere these days, but you can visit riderflex.com and click on the podcast page to hear all the previous episodes and learn more about the recruiting and consulting services we provide. Contact us at the email address info at riderflex.com or 888-964-5876. Thanks so much for listening. And if you enjoy our show, please be sure to subscribe to our channel and like the episodes.